Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 76 for Monday, August 8th, 2016. Folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the show by, for, and about working musicians and the people interested in working musicians. Uh, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Las Gatas, California, Paul Kent. How goes it, Mr. Kent? It goes really well. I had a I had our summer break this week. You know, we didn't oh, have any gigs right. this weekend. Yeah, yeah, So it was yeah. kind of fun. All the guys in the band went to different corners of the world and, and uh, took a week off. And then we have a really busy August. So this was... Uh, this needs to happen. You know, sure. I'm always very naive and we're, we're booked pretty far out. And I always say, all right, guys, here's the week that we can take for vacation. And sometimes they, you know, pay attention and do do that. And sometimes they don't. Yep. But it seems like we've been busy enough where this was really pent up. And I'm interested to see if everybody comes back really energized and ready to crush it or whether, you know, you lose something in that week that you're off. Because we had we had just hit our stride. I mean, we were we were pretty much buttered the last couple of gigs. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when you take that, that the little hiatus. Wow. Yeah, that's good, man. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. But you? Um, I had I had no gigs over the weekend, technically, but uh, I played Thursday night. Our town uh, did a kind of a new thing. We've been playing. Our town does a summer concert series that usually happens down at this park by the water every year. And I'm, I'm sure I talked about it last year. And we've done it many years in a row, but it's a weird, it's not a perfect venue. It's a nice view down by the water, but there's nothing there. So it means you have to pack in obviously all your instruments, but also a generator and, you know, lights. And and so it's a big production and it's sort of buggy because it's down by the water and people have to bring their stuff and and wait, wait buggy as in bugs bugs yeah 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 okay. we have we have bugs here in the summertime in uh in we don't have in new that. england i know yeah no i know yeah yeah, yeah. um so you know it's but it's always been fine and this year you know we booked it and then a couple of months ago um the woman who uh, is a new woman actually who runs the the who's running the parks and rec organization here in our town and she called me and she said do you, how would you feel i've got a crazy idea of closing down main street and doing the gig there instead. I'm like, Oh yeah, we're in, you know? So they did, they closed down main street in our town and uh, a bunch of the local businesses did stuff. There was a, uh, there's a store called the candy bar that was serving like uh, ice cream kind of stuff. And, and there's a, uh-huh. this place called the makery that does like all sorts of crafts. And, and so they were doing things and people brought their kids out and it was actually, it worked out great. I mean, the weather was perfect, which is sort of mandatory for, you know, for success. Um, with that. How many people come to something like that? Um, there were, I don't know, I'd say probably a couple hundred to this one, which wasn't bad for a, you know, a first time kind of thing. Um, the buzz about it is already, you know, people are like, whoa, this seems like a cool thing. It's like, yeah, you should, you should have come, you know, but yeah, it was cool. Which, which town around you has the biggest one of those? Um, I don't know. Uh, probably, probably a town, just one town North of us called Dover. Uh, they've got a pretty big band shell and, and kind of in their downtown and, and they have uh, events there uh, throughout the year. Not just, not just music, but yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's, um, it happens around here. I mean, I've played bigger ones. There's nothing right around here that happens. That's huge. I've played bigger ones down, maybe an hour away down in Massachusetts where 
you know, it's, it's a thing and it's a well-established thing. And all the people from the town come out every Wednesday night or whatever, you know, whatever it is in the summer and, and do that. But, um, these things down here are good. I've, I've said this before. Yeah, they're ginormous. Before. These things are growing. Well, they're, they're, they're really big and they're growing. And I wonder if it's a weather thing. I wonder if sure. it's a humidity and bugs thing that makes a, a, a dusk in the east, in the northeast, you know, not the most pleasant time. Huh. Yeah, that's, that could be. I mean, we didn't have any problems with bugs um, on uh, on Main Street. And and we've always timed these things so that it kind of happens before that, right? We, we mm-hmm. run them six to eight, so it's still sunny out. And, of course, bugs don't like the sun, so... Um, so, you know, and we, and we actually it's did, hot, right? but yeah, it's hot. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know, but it, it was great. Worked out really, really well. Um, it, you know, it was just the right vibe and everything was put together well and, uh, yeah. worked out. Yeah. It was, it was outstanding. Yeah. It was good. We, we enjoyed it. Cool. So, I, you know, I think these gigs are, um, you know, they pay better than, than clubs. Generally, the hours yep. are better. The yep. people are cooler. Yep. I mean, there's everything <laughs> check, about check, this. Check. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you know, if it, it, there's still, I think, some romance to being a, a working club band and work, being a working musician in that way. That's a hard life, though. That's hard work. Yeah. If you just want to play for people and, you know, be back in your own bed, you know, two hours later or, you know, whatever your pleasure is, the, these outdoor summer gigs are really wonderful. I mean, I'm thinking of the towns around here. Ours is 4,000 people. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's several that are two to 3,000 people. And there's very few that are less than a thousand people. I mean, basically, if a town invests in doing this, it's just a nice evening out. I mean, I mean, then why wouldn't you go, right? Right. And, right. and the sponsors seem to love it, you know, because they're getting in, in front of communities and that type of thing. And so, hopefully, you know, all over. I, I would love to hear from listeners to hear if there's like a civic concert series um, program wherever you live. I'd be interesting if it happens overseas. You know, if, if it happens around the world, in the Midwest, in the Northwest, I'm really curious to hear if other people, other communities are taking this on because they're great gigs. I yeah. mean, no, I played them. I played a bunch of them. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I played a bunch down in Connecticut. Uh, the town I, I grew up in, Norwalk, had a pretty, you know, well-established uh, thing. And, and there would be, yeah, thousands of people at these gigs. Cool. Yeah. And, and so and it, it happens in, in the Northeast. It's just, I think it's a regional thing. It, you know, it, one town will get it going and then other towns sort of, you know, join in and yeah. it either resonates with, you know, a majority of the, the people that live there or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, then, you know, then there's no audience and it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. But yeah. the thing is, you know, I would say every town, there must be 30 towns around here that do it. That's yeah. a lot of work. You know, 30 towns doing it every week of the summer. Yeah. That's a lot of gigs that's being created, way more than any club scene could ever create. That's right. Yeah. And and like you said, generally more pleasant uh, yep. than than a club gig. Well, different, but but certainly enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so this brings to mind why you say generally more pleasant. I actually have a question for you. So sure. <laughs> um, in hours yesterday, so we had – Probably the biggest crowd we ever had. And I want to talk about the band that played in a second. Okay. But we did have um, a self-entitled young lady who decided to take it upon herself and hop on stage. I happened to be the only one from our staff near the stage. I, just, I was just side stage enjoying the band, hanging out with the sound guy. And I happened to be the only one there. So so once it became obvious to me that she wasn't a friend of the band that was welcome hunting, right. I was the one who had to go get her. And I'm you're, wondering, not the right, actually, you're not the right guy to do that. Well, I was I was the only guy. No, no, so I, I, get, I get it. No, no, no. You had to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. So the how funny did that thing go? About this, 
Well, it, uh, so she, first she went to one guy and I couldn't tell whether she knew the one guy and he was okay with it. Mm. But then she moved over to another band member and I could tell that he clearly wasn't okay with it. And then one of our staff came up and said, she's not supposed to be up there. So I went out and got her and she it was, you know, she tried to stop and, you know, row up against another player, but I, I got her off the stage. The funny thing is then we got her over to her friends and then her friends were kind of terrible, you know, giving us the finger and, you know, oh, all no sorts of terrible, just, just terrible people. Right. Wow. And, um, but you know, here's my question other than, now, you remember when we did a Macworld All-Star gig and we had someone who wanted to be on the stage. I actually stopped a song and I, just I, waited to see if, yeah, if no, audience pressure. Yeah. You, you, you vaguely remember this, I right? vaguely. Yeah, <laughs> that might have might or might not been the foundation for my earlier comment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so uh, uh, what do you think? Just get the person off the stage and live with it. You know, do you make an example of the person so other people aren't tempted to do it? What, what, what have you seen that works and what is effective? Going back to our one of our greatest conversations of all time, people behaving badly. What is a good way to handle the the stage, the stage crasher? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is I'm screwed because anytime we talk about something like this, it happens to me at the next gig I'm at. (laughs) So that's the first thought that comes to mind. But you know, while we're here, maybe let's talk it through and maybe I'll come up with maybe together, you know, we'll come up with, uh, with how I'm going to handle it uh, this coming weekend. Uh, thanks for for that. Yeah. Yeah, You you know, I'm here to, I'm here to help. So yeah, I I, I think, uh, to answer your question, um, you got to You have to get them off the stage. Um, it, it, but at some level, the band needs to be a part of that. Uh, but but I see. I don't know how. I mean, this is a pretty big gig, right? So were they mm-hmm. expecting? Like, did you? Was there an obvious security element? Probably not, right? I mean, it's just. You know, well, it's your we've been game. running them for seven weeks and they're, ha- you know, even though the crowd has been big, sure. we generally have people around there. Yeah. But if somebody wanted to jump on stage from the front or go around the back, which is what this woman did, um, you know, Nobody it's possible to, to have it happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it, it can happen. So uh, we do have some people around the stage, but it's, you know, you're not going to stop every angle of possibility. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, if the. It, it, it's a weird thing, right? Because it I, I think as a band, you have some responsibility to to yes. address this, uh, you know, and simply ignoring it might mean, I mean, even to you and, and you're seasoned at this, right? I mean, you, you've been on stage, you've, you've experienced it in every, probably every angle that it could ever happen. And even you, at least initially, weren't entirely sure it, you know, how normal is this for these guys? Is this, you know, is this part of what they're okay with? And so the band needs to to communicate that somehow, not only uh, so that like people like you would notice, but also, like you said earlier, that crowd pressure. Right. You know, if somebody's on stage and it's clear that the band is, you know, blocking them out, a lot of times that's actually enough for people to just leave. Mm. Uh, Not always. And, you know, alcohol sometimes plays a role there, but it doesn't have to. You know, people can be idiots uh, sober. And, uh, and we've, and we've all seen that. So I think, I think as a, as a band, you have to, at the very least ignore the person, you know, if they come up on stage and they're like, you know, like you said, she's rubbing up against them. If they're playing back now, now she's encouragement. You you just, you just made her part of the show. So I'm not going to come up and split your, you know, your guitar player up from your sax player. If they're grooving on each other, that's, you know, I assume you planned that. And if your sax player was a little too friendly, I didn't know, you know? So I I think, I think at some level, the band has to, even if they're not going to address it head on, 
they they need to you know ignore it as best they can and if so what's what's head on well head on is is well it, it could be anything it could be stopping the song and telling the person get off the stage it could be not stopping the song but also telling the person get off the stage and you know maybe doing it with a motion that makes it clear to everyone in the place what not you're cool. what you're doing yeah this isn't cool and like I said, a lot of times, you know, that that crowd pressure is enough to get someone off if they feel like the crowd is reacting to them in the way that they wanted. And of course, if they wanted everybody to hate them, then, you know, there's no whole, not a whole lot you can do. Right. Um, I guess Tell you can cheer for I them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand what goes through someone's mind to think that it's OK. Yeah. Drunk or not drunk, I don't really don't understand what kind of self-entitlement leads someone to say this is a good thing to do. Yeah, like or, it, it, or, it's one thing. And it's not not even acceptable, but it's one thing if there's no clear delineation between, you know, stage and not stage. Right. Right. You're on a floor somewhere. Yeah. But even then, there's usually a pretty clear delineation. Maybe the lead singer that, you know, somebody taking a solo might break that that fourth wall. But but it's usually there. But certainly in a scenario like this where there's an actual stage and someone has to go out of their way to, you know, place themselves upon it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand that at all. I, I would never like, even if I came to see you play, right. And it was a set break or something. I wouldn't just walk up on stage to say hi to you. I would come up to the front of the stage and stop there and say hi to you and your band members. And if yeah. someone invited me on stage, Hey, come over here. I want to show you something. Okay, fine. Well, now that's a whole different deal, but I would never just walk up on stage after a gig. Uh, yeah. it, and that's like, some after. people just don't, some people just don't, you know, they're, they're, they don't they're, respect um, the space. Well, some people don't respect it. Some people are just clueless. They don't, just don't right. understand. They that don't understand it. Yeah. That's the stage is your place. But yeah. again, the concept of getting on and again, even rubbing up against somebody, you know, that guy's got a wife or a girlfriend or something like that. You know, what are you thinking? Or, or the woman has a boyfriend or a husband. Yeah. It's just it. I don't. I, so that's why I kind of froze. And I was like, can this really be happening? And I'm watching it. And she goes up to the first guy and I couldn't see in his face whether he knew her or not sure. or whether it was cool. Yeah. I should have picked up on it, you know, 30 seconds quicker. But then when she moved on to the other guy, it was clearly not cool. And, yeah. you know, we got her off. And But again, then then you get the hostility. So, yeah, yeah in the you, macro you, band. You know you're going to get the hostility when you engage with that. Crazy. It, it's, it's, yeah, you're, 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 you're bought in already. It sucks. Right. Yep. So the macro band, for you guys listening who probably weren't there, I stopped the song. So someone came up, I think it was the second time someone came up. Yeah. Came up, he asked him to get off or, you know, gently or. or was it, it was a woman, right? It was a woman. Right. Right. It was a woman. And then she was with another guy. Yes. Who came, tried who to came the was second a, time. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the first time it was just her and she sort of paraded through and, and we encouraged her to leave and, and she did. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. So I, so I stopped the song. And said, I think I said on mic, um, we're not going to play another note until this person gets the message. Yeah. And, you know, and it was our crowd. So yeah, they yeah. kind of got no, into you it. Had him in, yeah, you knew you had him in the palm of your hand. Yeah, it wasn't a right. problem. Yeah. So this one, the woman just looked like a freaking moron. And, um, you know, she it was a drunk girl getting up on stage yeah. and you know, grinding up against a couple of guys. So, you know, if it was me, you know, maybe if you can bring a song down and, you know, what comes to my mind is saying something that acknowledges the situation, the moment and sends the message, not cool. Like we're working really hard for you guys. Just be cool. And, you know, you can say it without having to be a jerk about no, it. No, you could, it's, you could just say, Hey, you know, I appreciate you're having a good time. If you could just have a good time over there, yeah. the stage is crowded enough as it is. 
You know, yeah. like that's a that's a nice way of saying it. Even if the stage is, you know, empty and huge, if all you say to them is the stage is crowded enough as it is, that gives them the opportunity to say, oh, you know what? Sorry. And I leave and they save a, a modicum of face. You know, yeah. if they want to argue, the stage is huge. OK, well, you know, I tried. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I know. I You're lied to you, clueless. but yeah, I can't help you. <laughs> I can't help you. I'm, t- I'm trying to serve something up for you here. You got to swing at it. You know, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. It happens, yeah, I guess man. the thing is you have to keep your professionalism. You can't lose your cool and right. you know, go off on the person because that's going to kill your vibe. And it, you know. it ruins the rest of the gig. Yeah, you yeah. just got to be kind of happy. I, I always try and, and this is, you know, try is the key word here to be just happy go lucky Dave whenever I have to deal with somebody like that. Yep. Um, yeah. But I'm never in those moments where I might appear to be totally happy go lucky Dave. I'm like a shred away. Yeah. From being jackass, Dave. I don't have happy-go-lucky Paul. Really, once someone kind of you know disrespects you that way, yeah, um, and it's because it's all about them when they're doing that. It's That's not the problem, you right. know, and just the concept that you're you know digging deep trying to entertain somebody and you know make someone feel someone music and someone would say, hey, I can just screw with this. You know, that's just a big f you to me, and um, you know, I don't even have that happy-go-lucky filter, right? I go right. immediately to. We're going to make an example of this person, but right. you know, I yeah, but to, that, I, that 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 disturbs the vibe yes. uh, at best. Yes. you know, so it's always I'm like agreeing with you. I know, no, it, it, but it's like I've had to learn this. It's not a um, it's not an automatic response for me. And like I said, it's it wouldn't it doesn't take much for somebody to push me over that line. Like, yeah. man, you know, just like get out of here. What are you doing here? Yeah, be cool. <laughs> Don't be a jerk. Yeah, we had one gig where a guy came a big pretty big outdoor gig and a guy all of a sudden came up, went center stage right in front of me and uh, was kind of interpretive dancing or something, just being a jerk. All of a sudden I don't hear any bass guitar happening. Uh And Steve, who's a big guy, my bass player comes and gets this guy in a gigantic bear hug and forcefully, you know, just walks him off the stage. Could have threw him off the stage if he wanted to. Again, Steve's a big guy. Mm. And, uh, Thankfully, he didn't because that yeah. changes everything. Then it then it becomes assault, and you don't yes. want that. You know? yeah. yeah, and also it 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 can turn your audience nasty. I mean, I could have seen because yeah. he had some friends there, and if those if there are enough of his friends that take issue with how you deal with it, so I you know I'm hearing everything I'm saying. I realize that I'm not always in the moment to you know I'm not so polished that I can always keep my wits about me. But, you know, well, that's why it's good to have these conversations. I mean, I, I joked yeah. a little bit at the beginning that you've cursed me, but but I actually I like talking through <clears> this <throat> stuff because in the moment, if you can just remember, ooh, happy go lucky, Paul, yeah. you might be able to like yeah. turn that into something, even even if it only lasts 30 seconds. <laughs> it well, gets- you know, that's one of the things hopefully we do with this show is like all right. those situations, yeah. people behaving badly, you know, even if it plants a seed reminds us that, you know. Our job is to be a pro all the time, all the you time. Know, well, and if you, you can know, turn it into a moment of entertainment, right? I mean, that's what I always try and remember is until I do otherwise, the crowd is with me, right? You know, and and there's various levels of how much the crowd is with you. But, you know, the crowd is with you until you turn on them and and you can turn on them in, in without even thinking about it. But, you know, being in that moment and kind of looking at the crowd and saying, now what am I supposed to do? Like, like yeah, yeah, literally yeah. saying that into the mic now makes it a part of it's all of us versus you, ma'am. I think <laughs> the, the shortest path is just to like keep it cool and get it done. Yeah. Get the person off stage and keep going. I, when you're saying, you know, turn it into a moment of entertainment, 
some of us will be better at that than others. Totally. And it could backfire if you're not good at it. Uh, yeah, well, it could backfire. Yeah, it, it, yes, that's right. That's so the, right. The, the easiest thing to not create any consternation is just to you know, do what you can to politely get the person off stage. That, that's, the, that's the lowest common denominator of things. And you know, it, if you are good enough, yeah. And you can make it a, you know, I remember my first drink type of moment type of thing. Right. But yeah. Not everybody has that. No, you got to be able to sell right? that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, I went and saw a play uh, at a very, very small theater. And it was I can't think of the name of it. The Ben Bengali Tiger. Right. The uh, uh, whatever the name of that play is. Robin Williams played this tiger on Broadway. Mm. And, and it's I mean, it's a fantastic play. And my friend Billy, uh, Billy Butler, who I've done a lot with, actually, I'm doing a thing with him in the fall that I'll talk about in a minute. But he was playing the role of the tiger and the tiger really only talks to the audience. Um, It's a weird sort of thing for theater. You hear the tiger talk, but the the rest of the people in the play don't understand him because he's a tiger, you know, and it's a Mm -hmm. it's it's a play about war. I mean, it's not a a funny play, but this tiger provides a little bit of levity if the role is played right. And Billy came out for the second act and was doing something and was supposed to be in this garden with all these uh, sculptures of other animals. And there was this guy in the uh, right in the front row who and and the actors in this theater are basically also in the front row with you. So, you know, you're right there on top of them. And uh, and this guy like keeps coughing and he's messing with his phone and stuff. And the play's going on and Billy's like, you know, in in character talking and he finally crouches down and he says something about you know it's good to be back in the uh in the you know in the in the sculpture garden he's like but some of these new animals i'm just not sure and he kind of looks at the guy and then moves away (laughs) and it was a great moment because the guy was clueless to it he had no idea that billy was talking about him but every other single person in the place did and so it 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 acknowledged I, i think there's where, where things can get weird with the crowd is when there's something going on that's so obvious, like someone on stage, and it's ignored entirely, that creates an awkward elephant in the room sort of vibe. And by simply acknowledging it, but that's the key, simply acknowledging it <laughs> and moving on, it, it sort of dispels that. And now, oh, right, we're all back having fun together and everything's good. And, you know, my friend Billy is an absolute pro. So he knew where the audience was in his palm. He knew that he had him in the palm of his hand. He also knew exactly where in the palm of his hand the audience was. And he knew what he could do. And he knew what he could get away with. And uh, and so he did it. And it was great. But like you said, you've got you're taking a risk every time you do that. Um, and it's got to be a calculated one in the moment. Yeah. All right, good, good luck yeah. it'll help me no, no this, this is helpful you you know think your job is to be a pro a hundred percent of the time that's when it. you're on stage a hundred percent of the time yeah. yeah so i want to talk a little bit about this band that played sure. at our music series yesterday because it was an interesting experience the band was called the purple ones okay. and they are a tribute to prince but they're not doing it like many other tribute bands do it so they wear purple on stage, but, you know, it's not like they're trying to look note for note. They've got three different singers who handle different parts of, of Prince's range. They have sure. a woman singer for the really high stuff. Um, they also are, are going about this in a really interesting way. Like a lot of the stuff they do, which is similar to how I do things with the house rockers, a lot of their music is taken from Prince bootlegs or really mm. deep cuts on their albums. So, you know, they play all the hits, but they go a little deeper. And um, it was a really interesting thing. Uh, they have a member of their band now who was actually, 
he's he's the purple ones musical director he um was in the new power generation so he oh, played with prince little experience there yeah, yeah a little experience so i gotta tell you man this this cat levi caesar um i mean that is funk rhythm guitar i mean his right hand is just going and um it, it was really remarkable the band was fantastic uh i think it was 11 pieces okay uh, you know, they had a four-piece horn section, two guitars, keys, bass, drums, um, and the and the two stand-up singers. Um, it made me think a lot of – so here's the things that they did great. Um, they look great. You know, they dress in purple, and they really sell the, you know, the, the vibe. You know, Prince music is the greatest grooves of all time, you know, and so you're going to get people going. And, you know, there are enough hits. I've been kind of critical that you know, the problem with a lot of these tribute bands are there isn't a two-hour show worth of hits for the – for the uninitiated there, you right. know, if you love the band, you can go for two hours, but you know, if all you know is the hits, there might not be two hours of stuff, but there's so much great groove music from Prince. Um, they had great energy and they really, and then they work in, you know, this kind of, you know, we're, we're celebrating Prince. He's here with us today, especially with Levi having played with him. Yeah. It was a pretty powerful message and it was great. I mean, they were super. And so the things, it gets me thinking about my band. And the first one is a really interesting one. So they pretty much played, you know, two hours of nasty funk, you know, just, sure, you know, um, so in my shows, and, and I think in your shows as well, when we, when we do set lists for rock shows, you kind of pace them out and, uh, yeah, you, you know, put, you, you have, put breather tunes in where you yeah, need them. There was yeah. no breather tunes for these guys. Okay. I mean, it was like, and you know, that's kind of what people want. You know, if it's a two hour show, they just kind of want to go. But do they? That, and that's actually that's, my question. No, when I say, when I use the term breather song, it's not for me. It's not for the band. It's for the, it, I always craft I'm it you, for the two audience. Hours, yeah. yeah. I'm telling you two hours. I mean, there was a, there was a break. They did take a brief break where we do some announcements, but sure. I, that, this is one of the things I was reflecting on is like, I wonder if I'm trying to be too cute, you know, yeah. sometimes putting in some, putting in some, you know, artsy songs or some, you know, some in, instrumental feature songs or those types of things. And I've never thought this before because in general it works. One of the things that's kind of fun about our band is, you know, we stretch and if someone's having a big night, I'll call them for more solos and, sure. you know, it's that kind of organic thing that works. But then thinking about this band and how well they went over. And, you know, this is the thing. You go see another band and they go over great. And yep. you start thinking about your band. You start thinking about, should I do more like what they do? Should I of do, course. you know? Yeah, well, and that's, I think that's healthy. Like, what could I learn from this band that It's healthy if you want to learn. Yeah. Well, it's healthy if you want to learn. It's not healthy if you start second guessing things that are working in your band. Well, yeah. And there's a fine line there. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Of course. Yeah. I mean, that, that'll happen. I'll go see a band and be like, oh, we got to change everything. Like, yes, no, and you got to temper that like maybe, but you know, probably not. <laughs> and that's kind of where I got stuck is, is thinking about it and how great they were. And I was thinking about, it, but you know what they did is they just put the pedal to the metal for two hours. And, um, I think about, you know, like we'll play like five, really up-tempo songs and then we'll throw in an Al Green song like that. And everybody seems to like it, but yeah. I'm like, should we not do that? Should we just keep going? Well, and that's a, I mean, it's, I, it's I'm, a different vibe. I, I think, I think part of, and I, like I said, I've lived this like, Oh, I got to change everything. The reason you feel that way is that what I just saw worked great, but where you have to temper that is 
it's not the only thing in the world that works right. great. That's so smart. That's exactly what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> you know, it, the temptation is to throw it all out and say, we got to do that. Yeah, just copy that, that exactly. Was. Yeah. And if everything was like that, would it be interesting? I mean, at some level, yeah, that's the problem. You know, when you're doing a, a, a cover band, right, um, you're – at some level, you're copying – I mean, or at, at every – at the core of it, you're copying what other people have done, right? The people that wrote the songs aren't there on stage with you, right? Mm-hmm. So you're playing you're, – you're copying something. There's a, a temptation and an expectation from the crowd that you would copy other things too. And you're, it's not like you're looking to turn this into the next, you know, totally unique billion-dollar idea, right? It, it doesn't have to be unique, so there is some temptation and it's somewhat warranted to just copy what works and you know what we'll have okay success. I think you got to you got to let that feed what you what resonates with you. Like well, that's, don't that's don't good. just pander to what you want to work. Yes. Pander to what you like to do that works and Absolutely. maybe use it to filter out some things that you like to do that don't work. Right. But, you know, I don't you don't have to copy them. Just look what what worked for me at that show. Oh, well, you can play eight songs in a row that are totally up tempo. And you know what? People didn't like freak out about that and and have like conniption fits. They just kept grooving. So I like playing up tempo songs. Maybe I should just try that for a gig and, you know, play one set that has no breathers and see what happens. Yeah. So I'd actually take it a step further. So you and I have had good conversations on this show about truth. Yeah. So to them, playing a Prince-like show, that's their truth. In my band, and, it, and this is the thing I'm reminding myself, this is kind of self-therapy here. Sure. You know, what our truth is, is, you know, a couple of new hits are in our set, some old school R&B, you know, rock from all different ages. That is what our band is. Right. And then the, the, the challenge is to be the best at what your band's truth is and sell that. Yeah. Yeah, just be you. But, yeah, but again, you. I, you know, the truth. It, it, you I, learn, though. Yeah, but that's the thing is the truth is not a static entity, right? It, it is. It changes. What what resonated for you 15 years ago or 17 years ago when you started the House Rockers may not resonate the same today or it may all still resonate. Mm. And plus all this other stuff that you've now been exposed to. It also resonates, right? I mean, we we change as people, and it's okay to like let that factor in and let it evolve, and and that is fine. I think Just let your you know let your band evolve and and even guide that evolution. Uh, Fair enough. It, you know, I think that's fine as long as you're doing what what you're if you as long as you're enjoying it. And again, but again, it's different if like if you're a if the sole purpose of the band is to do nothing but make money. Uh, and play like if you're a wedding band, well, then it's less about what you enjoy and more about what, what will sell. What, yeah, what will sell. That's right. And that's I mean, but if you're a wedding band, that's also your truth, right? I mean, it's okay. There's nothing I think wrong, that wrong with it. What happens is that the great reward is from you selling your truth, whatever it may be. Yeah. Right. And having it go over. So again, I've been, you know, critical that it's it's very hard to be a three or four piece classic rock band because there's so many of them out there. And, you know, they're, they're, it's very hard for you to rise above those. I would say that, that even if that is what you want to do, be a three or four piece band, and you're in this, you know, kind of crowded, difficult way to stick out, um, that which we're all looking for 
So again, if you just want to be a professional musician, you just want to monetize your time with your instrument in your hand, that's, that's a different thing than you're, then you're choosing things and, you know, you, you know, no harm, no foul. You want to be right. good at that. Right. But for most of us who are, you know, doing this because there's a lot of self, self-satisfaction, self-enjoyment, self-discovery, you know, personal growth. If, if that's why you're a musician now, that is what the, the promises and the challenges is to go out, play something that is incredibly meaningful to you. Be so committed to it that, you know, you transcend the notes that are being played and you move somebody and then you get that feedback from the audience. So whether it's two hours of straight up-tempo print stuff or whatever your particular mix of music may be, that is the that is the path and that is what the reward is offered at the end if you do it right. Well, yeah, and I think it's I mean, I think you can even back off that a little bit. It's just about expectations, right? What is what is the expectation everyone has, musicians and, and audience included, walking into the room? I, I went and saw American Idiot. Um, the other night, the, the play based on all the Green Day's music. It was just a local production of it. I knew most of the people in the cast and the one person that I'd heard uh, review it for me personally prior to going uh, said he didn't really like it. And I was like, OK, that's fine. You know, fair enough, whatever. And so I went in. The bar was kind of low. They crushed it. It was awesome. I don't know why my my other friend didn't like it. it. Maybe it's just not his thing or he saw it earlier in the run. Maybe it evolved. I don't know. But it was awesome. And I liked it. And these people were playing and singing exactly the notes that were on paper, right? Because that's what, you know, you can't change these songs. And they were, you know, they were doing what they were supposed to do by the script, but they were doing it really, really well. And it was fantastic. It was great. Even play, every play I go see, I want to leave at halftime, intermission, whatever you call it. And this includes when I'm playing, like in the pit. Like I'm done. Like, you know, one one act is enough for me because, you know, a two act play, it's usually like an hour and 20 minutes and then a whatever, 15 minute intermission and then like another 45 minutes to an hour. Right. The second act is always shorter. I always feel like, you know, an hour and 20 minutes. If you can't say what you wanted to say in an hour and 20 minutes, man, you've, you know, edit more. It's fine. Go to, push it to an hour and a half and, and call it a day. But um, but this one we got to, you know, it was the traditional length. We got to halftime and I'm like, man, I can't wait for the second act to start. It was great. And there's not much of a story in this. I mean, there sort of is, but it's, you know, it's an excuse for people to play and sing Green Day songs. That's all it is. But they were killing it. Yeah. It was great. You know, so I, and, and I would commend every and did commend every single person involved in that um, for doing what they did. And it was awesome. So, you know, that, that was that was the truth of, of those three hours. And it was great. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. So that's it. Saw a great band this weekend, inspired me, challenged me, made me look at my band, think about my band. And I went in what it's been, uh, it's been 16 hours. So I've gone the whole circle from like, oh, <laughs> we just need to just do that. Yeah. Like, you know what? I've got something pretty good here that seems to be working. Be good at what we do. Commit. That's the great word. Yeah. Commit. You know? Yeah. You, well, you have out. to. That's the thing. Right. And, and it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're not committed to it, leave. I mean, that. Again, it's hard to say. Do when, something else. Yeah, just do something else. Yeah, I, I actually quit a band once because I found myself showing up. The bass player changed, and I really didn't like playing with this bass player. Um, it just, it, the guy was out of tune all the time, and it was just, a, I just didn't like it. And so I found myself getting to these gigs and like dreading going and even dreading playing. I would set up my monitors so I couldn't really hear his bass so that, you know, it wouldn't <laughs> bother me. 
And finally, after, you know, and I'd, I'd maybe have like an extra cocktail before we played to sort of numb through it or whatever. And finally, I'm like at one gig, I, I don't know. I went, we, it was like a three night gig or a three set gig. And I went to get another drink like before set. And I thought, you know what? This is stupid. I'm <laughs> suffering through this. You almost I, didn't come back from break. Well, I, no, I came back from break because I made a commitment, you know, but it was like, wait a minute. This band wasn't really like a committed band. It was, it was sort of a pickup band of maybe, you know, eight to 10 people that were sort of, it was only ever a four piece band, but there were maybe, you know, six or eight of us that sort of played inter interchangeably at times. It was like, I could, I could bail out on the next gig and I was not hurting anyone. Right. You know, it was, I, the gig hadn't even been guaranteed to me yet. It was just one of those bands. And, uh, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just, I'm, I'm good. So I told the person that led the band, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to play with that bass player anymore. And, and if that means you get another drummer, that's totally fine. And, and everything was like, yeah, hey, no problem. Thanks for telling me. You know, it was like, no Wait, problem. So, so he let you go, not the bass player. Yeah, I sort of asked. And then and then I played when a different bass player came in, the phone rang again, and it was like, hey, I got a different bass player. Are you Are you in? I'm like, yep, I'm in. So it was like, all right, sweet. Great. No problem. You know, no. And there was no love lost or anything. But again, that was a sort of a strange setup for a band. Um, it was, you know, somewhat of a pickup band situation, sort of. Um but but it worked. And and it, again, I found myself, you know, feeling like, oh, you know, I have to do these gigs. It's like, no, no, I don't. I, I could I, if I'm if I would actually be happier at home, then that's what I should do. Or I should just find another band, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. But, yeah and then just do that. It's all good. Well, we didn't get to anything. Well, we got to a couple of the things we put on the agenda today, but we didn't get to uh, most of them. We have a couple of questions that we're going to do next week. And uh and I, I want to talk about this new show I'm doing with Billy Butler because, frankly, it's scaring the crap out of me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good thing, I think. <laughs> stretch, man, stretch. It's going to be a huge stretch. But I'll talk more about I don't want to even get into it because um, because then, then we'll go like another 40 minutes here or something. Right. I don't know, maybe 20. So um, so we'll just talk about it next week. It's fine. The show, show doesn't start. Rehearsals don't even start for like a month. Um, but, right. uh, yeah, that's good. And then we got, we got you coming out to play with me and we'll we do, do a show about, you know, I'm, I'm really, uh, uh, curious, fascinated, anticipating your reflections and playing in my band. Since we know each other so well, mm. it'll be interesting. Just so that, that'll be a fun show for me. I'm looking forward to it. I I'm looking forward to the whole weekend. We're playing, I think one acoustic gig together and then what four sets of uh, music with the, the house rockers together. Yeah. Ten, five sets, actually four on Saturday, three, one hour sets, one half hour set, and then one set on Sunday. And then, uh, you'll see how our, our, uh, music series goes. Cause we're going to run from the show. We're playing to the show I'm producing. Oh, sweet. Cool. Yeah. So we, I got you busy, man. That's great. No, I'm looking, I get to, I get to experience, uh, your musical world, which I really, I mean, we talk about it a lot. We always have, but, uh, this will be the deepest experience <laughs> that we've had. Well, I mean, I've sat in with your band here and there, you know, whenever I've been out there and, and that sort of thing, but, but this will be very, very different. Um, you know, so, yep. all right, sweet. And, uh, that's all I got. That's, that's, uh, thanks folks. Feedback at, uh, giggabpodcast.com, I think is, is where you can find us. Of course, Facebook.com slash giggabpodcast. Share your stories, how you get people off the stage. Yeah. I'm going to need them for this weekend. I think <laughs> I just cursed you. <laughs> Always be performing folks. <laughs>